Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry once again. We are living near the end of time and the antitypical Babylonian reign. Rome is working very hard to keep herself relevant and credible. Our study today is going to look at the fall of ancient Babylon and see what we can learn from the type about the antitype. We have seen many parallels in the ancient history of God's people. But now we're going to look at these parallels that apply to the end of human history. Many people don't foresee what is going to happen, but Bible students who understand the truth and the prophecies can see it plainly. The God who has overruled in every nation since the beginning of time is still active today. And he will overrule the enormous system of lies and religious abuse for the good of his cause. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we pray that as we study today, your Holy Spirit will speak to us of the nearness of the fall of Babylon and your return. Babylon is still to rise up even more to where she can persecute the righteous in every country and put them to death. That has to happen before Babylon falls. But as we study today, we are going to see that Babylon's fall is a certainty nevertheless. We want to see the parallels which will tell us what to expect in our day. So please help us to understand by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. To really proclaim the second angel's message of Revelation 14 and the fall of Babylon with conviction, we must understand how ancient Babylon fell and the reasons for her fall. These, in turn, will tell us about modern spiritual Babylon and how it will fall. There are many types and parallels between the two Babylons, so turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel 5, verses 1 through 4. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and of brass and iron, of wood and of stone. Nebuchadnezzar had finally honored the God of heaven and sought to instill in the future generations the respect for the God of Israel. 
His son, Nabonidus, put his son, Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, as co-regent with him on the throne in Babylon to rule, while he went to rule in western Arabia. Belshazzar was not interested in in his grandfather's change of heart toward God. Apparently, Daniel's counsel was neglected and not called into service during Belshazzar's reign until the emergency of the last night of his life. This was an obvious rejection of the counsel of God. A number of years lapsed between the death of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar's feast. During that time, there are no sacred records describing the decline of the kingdom of Babylon and its gradual slide into debauchery. By the time of Belshazzar's feast, Babylon had slipped into the lowest moral standing, and the judgments of God were about to fall on it. Listen to this statement from Prophets and Kings, page 522. Nebuchadnezzar, the terrible of the nations, and Babylon, the praise of the whole earth, had passed under the unwise rule of his successors. And gradual but sure dissolution was resulting. Babylon was a great city and was considered the lady of kingdoms. She also had children. And her destruction came in one day by surprise. Please look at Isaiah 47, 5 and 7 through 9. Sit thou silent, and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. And thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever, so that thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. Therefore hear now this, Thou that art given to pleasures, and dwellest carelessly, that saith in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me, I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries, and for the great abundance of thy enchantments. Likewise, at the end of time, the same is true for modern spiritual Babylon. It is also a great city, and her destruction will come in one day, in magnificent perfection. Listen to this familiar verse from Revelation 18, 7-10. How much hath she glorified herself and lived deliciously? So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off 
for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. So spiritual Babylon will fall as a woman in travail. Isaiah fifty forty three says that the king of Babylon hath heard the report of them, and his hands waxed feeble. Anguish took hold of him, and pangs as of a woman in travail. And Isaiah 13, verse 8, says something similar. They shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. These verses have a double application both to ancient Babylon and to modern spiritual Babylon, as do most Old Testament predictions against Babylon. It is obvious because the New Testament uses the same language in many cases to describe the fall of modern Babylon. Compare those Old Testament statements with what 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3 says about modern spiritual Babylon and all who think like her. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, in light of the fact that Cyrus was already at the gates of Babylon besieging the city, Belshazzar should have called for a fast, but instead he called for a feast. Instead of weeping and mourning and pleading to God for the protection of the city, Belshazzar arrogantly lifted up his voice and defied God by drinking out of the gold and silver vessels that had been taken from the temple of Jerusalem. Belshazzar had hardened his heart to the heavenly influences, in spite of the fact that he knew of Nebuchadnezzar's conversion and subsequent decree. No doubt he was old enough when those events happened that he could have learned valuable lessons that sprung from them to and taken them to heart. He was not ignorant of Daniel and his companions and their closeness to the king. He may have even met them as a child. Listen to what Prophets and Kings, page 523, says. In his pride and arrogancy, with a reckless feeling of security, Belshazzar made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. All the attractions that wealth and power could command added splendor to the scene. Beautiful women with their enchantments, were among the guests in attendance at their royal banquet. Men of genius and education were there. Princes and statesmen drank wine like water and reveled under its maddening influence. When someone turns from God and becomes hostile to him, he looks for ways to spit in his face, so to speak. Belshazzar blasphemously ordered the gold and silver vessels which his father had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, to be brought so that his court could drink from them and make fun of the God of Israel. 
The fact that they were drinking from them was in essence an arrogant statement of the superiority of their gods of silver and gold and brass and iron and wood and stone. Their hearts were lifted up in pride and the consequent selfish indulgence led them to defiantly forget God and exalt pagan worship. Does that sound like the end-time Babylon? Today Babylon is just as arrogant, just as blasphemous, and just as defiant of God and his law as the ancient Babylonians. In the loud cry recorded in Revelation 18, great detail about the condition of Babylon in her fallen state and a full account of the reasons for her fall is given. Emphasis will be placed upon the fall of Babylon in its moral sense by God's true people. Its gradual deterioration and decay, which is happening now, will be followed by her utter destruction. Let us read Revelation 18, 4-8. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double, according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, and mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. Both Babylons also have a golden cup. Jeremiah fifty-one seven says, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore the nations are mad. Revelation 17, 2 and 4 says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Many waters refer to many people in Bible prophecy. Though ancient Babylon straddled the Euphrates River, modern Babylon straddles the world and its peoples. In other words, she has power over all of them. The Bible tells us that Rome is given power to make war with the saints and have power over people. Turn with me to Revelation 13, verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So you can see where this world is headed. It will turn from freedom and liberty 
its current trajectory is not going to be reversed. You can see the obvious link in the prophecies of the Old Testament with the prophecy of the New regarding both Babylons. Also, both Babylons had sins that reached unto heaven and defied God. Compare Jeremiah 51.9 with Revelation 18.5. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her, and let us go every one into his own country. For her judgment reacheth unto heaven, and is lifted up even to the skies. And Revelation 18 verse 5 says, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Ancient Babylon certainly had sins that reached up to heaven, and God certainly remembered her iniquities. Revelation tells us that modern Babylon lived deliciously and glorified herself. This is what ancient Babylon was doing. So there is a strong type here. Notice, too, that modern spiritual Babylon is drinking from a cup that she has filled with her wine of false doctrine, just like ancient Babylon defiled the vessels of the Jewish temple by filling them with their own wine and drinking from it. Here is a quote from Great Controversy, page 603. This scripture points toward a time when the announcement of the fall of Babylon as made by the second angel of Revelation 14, verse 8, is to be repeated, with the additional mention of the corruptions which have been entering the various organizations that constitute Babylon. Since that message was first given in the summer of 1844, a terrible condition of the religious world is here described. God had three messages for his people in ancient Babylon. They were to come out of her to avoid her destruction. They are in Jeremiah 50 and 51. Verse 8 of chapter 50. Remove out of the midst of Babylon and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans and be as, and be as the he-goats before the flocks. And Jeremiah fifty one six, flee out of the midst of Babylon, deliver every man his soul, be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. And in Jeremiah fifty one forty five, the Lord expressly uses the term my people. My people Go ye out of the midst of her, and deliver ye every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord. In Revelation fourteen six through 11 God gives three parallel messages related to coming out of Babylon. And the call to come out of her is given again in Revelation 18, verse 4. This time it's not another angel, but a voice from heaven. The angels represent human instrumentalities used by God to proclaim the message, but a voice from heaven is an authority that speaks to the inner sanctum of the heart, where people who are yearning for righteousness and peace are listening. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues.
There is another type. The wicked king of ancient Babylon was unaware that the nation and his rulership were about to be overthrown unexpectedly. Look at Isaiah 47, 10 and 11. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness, and thou hast said, None seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. And thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and none else besides me. Therefore shall evil come upon thee, thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee, and thou shalt not be able to put it off. And desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. But the holy watcher was observing and seeing everything. <clears throat> the holy watcher sees everything today, just as back then. He sees the crime and immorality that prevails in Rome and her daughters. He sees the false doctrine and teachings that arise from her apostasy to justify it. He sees the enmity to God's truth and to his law that exists in her and in her daughters. And all is recorded for judgment day when Babylon shall fall, and great will be the fall of it. Belshazzar was completely oblivious to the danger that was looming over the great city Babylon. He thought he had peace and safety and that he could live it up. After all, wasn't Babylon fully protected on all sides? Weren't there abundant provisions for a long siege? Even the soldiers that protected the city felt so secure that they let down their vigilance and allowed the gates along the river to be open that night. Listen to this from Prophets and Kings, page 523. But within the seemingly impregnable fortress, with its massive walls and its gates of brass, protected by the river Euphrates, Stocked with provision in abundance, the voluptuous monarch felt safe and passed his time in mirth and revelry. That fatal security is like modern Babylon, who says in Revelation 18, verse 7, I said a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. The Bible even describes the fall of modern spiritual Babylon as happening in one day. Sudden destruction will overtake her because she thinks of herself as safe and secure, as if nothing can unsettle her peace. Similar to the ancient Babylon, whose end came in one night, the punishment of spiritual Babylon will come all at once. In a blinding flash, Rome and her daughters will see her end as in a moment. She has worked more than 500 years to rebuild her power, but it all comes to a lightning end. She does not expect to fall, nor do the institutions that help constitute Babylon expect to fall. It will be a total and complete surprise, just like ancient Babylon. When her plagues come, they will come with death and mourning and famine. Belshazzar saw death come upon him and his court that night of his celebration of his false gods. And no doubt the nations looking on mourned for them because Babylon was benefiting them greatly. 
They were trading with her and making money and living it up too. After all, the conditions of Babylon would change dramatically. In modern Babylon, Rome will exalt herself and the law of God will be put down. Also, the sanctuary message and its details of salvation will be ridiculed and mocked. Just as the vessels of silver and gold from the temple were abused, so will the principles of the sanctuary message be likewise abused. They are like gold and silver vessels when they are studied and understood. Let's look at another parallel type. Babylon had abundant provisions to last a long time with a siege of the city. It added to the feeling of security and the safety of the city that possessed the inhabitants of Babylon, and especially King Belshazzar. Both Babylons had abundance of treasure. Notice what it says in Jeremiah fifteen thirteen: O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. The Bible tells us in Revelation eighteen twelve through 14 of the provisions of Rome that she and her daughters have. Let's read it. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and, and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thyine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments of fr- and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Here is another type. Apparently the list of dignitaries and important people was significant. While we don't have the names on the list, it is obvious that it was an event for the elites of Babylon society. They all entered into the obscene party that the king ordained. Revelation 18 verse 3 even describes what goes on at Rome today in sexual terms. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. This description of Rome reads like the debauched party of ancient Babylon, which no doubt included a sex orgy. Listen to this from Prophets and Kings, page 523. With reason dethroned through seamless intoxication, and with lower impulses and passions now in the ascendancy, the king himself took the lead in the riotous orgy. The Bible uses terms to describe it that indicate the symbolic but public sexual activity at the end of time. For instance, in the verse that we just read, it uses the word fornication. In Revelation 17, the Bible uses the term harlot. And in Revelation 18.6, the Bible uses the term whore. 
There could be no mistaking of the intent of these words. The kings of the earth and the nations of the earth have been involved in a profligate, illicit spiritual relationship with Rome, which the Bible calls fornication and harlotry, where they accept her wine or false teachings and uses them to oppress and persecute God's faithful people. These are the elites of the earth because they are the ones that are the rulers of nations and also the multinational businessmen who control economies. I'm reminded of Jeffrey Epstein and his network of the world's elites that he used to abuse many underage women and adults on his island and his various mainland homes. It was a debauchery akin to what we see in Scripture about Babylon. Rome will triumph when she gains her objective, when a universal sunny law is enacted. She will rule the world in the end-time antitype of ancient Babylon. Spiritual Babylon ascends to the heights of power. The nations who will have come into the party will be drunk with her wine or false doctrine, as the ancient Babylonians were drunk with the physical wine at Belshazzar's party. She will then think she is the ruler of the world, and she will celebrate. We don't know how the celebration will look, or even if it will be public, but certainly it could be. She will rejoice that the world has accepted her vision of reality and her lies and will convince them that they should persecute and kill the faithful little flock who keep the Sabbath of God and the rest of the Ten Commandments. Let's go back to the drying up of the river Euphrates for a few minutes. This is actually a very prominent issue that we don't hear very much about. When you think about how Babylon was overthrown, it was the drying up of the river Euphrates that allowed Cyrus and his combined armies of the Medes and the Persians to access the city. Revelation 14.8 is referring to this when it says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. How did she fall? The river Euphrates was dried up. So John makes a reference to this drying up of the river Euphrates in Revelation 14. He also makes another reference in Revelation 18. But Revelation 16.12 tells us that it's going to happen again to modern Babylon. Let's read it. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. This figure is a reference to the fall of ancient Babylon, when Cyrus, at the time one of the kings of the east, diverted the waters of the Euphrates. So this drying up of the river Euphrates would seem to indicate the removal of some impediment in the way of the executioners of divine judgment upon spiritual Babylon. The Apostle John uses the imagery of the fall of ancient Babylon to illustrate the fate of modern spiritual Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah predicts the drying up of the river Euphrates and the destruction and desolation of ancient Babylon. 
Let us read about the desolation in Jeremiah 50, verse 38 and 39, and Jeremiah 51, verse 36 and 37. Here's Jeremiah 50, verse 38 and 39. A drought is upon her waters, and they shall be dried up, for it is the land of graven images, and they are mad upon their idols. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the islands shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell therein, and it shall be no more inhabited forever. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. And Jeremiah 51, verse 36 and 37 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will plead thy cause, and take vengeance for thee, and I will dry up her sea, and make her springs dry. And Babylon shall become heaps, the dwelling place for dragons, an astonishment, and a hissing, without an inhabitant. Ancient Babylon sat on the river Euphrates, Revelation 17.15 tells us that the waters of Babylon are people. Let's read it. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So again, we see strong parallels between ancient Babylon and modern Babylon. Since ancient Babylon ruled the whole world, modern Babylon must rule the whole world too. So this verse is referring to the people of the whole Babylonian world at the end of time. The waters of the Euphrates definitely symbolize the people of spiritual Babylon who, in the final conflict, will arise as a flooding, persecuting river to destroy the people of God. But God will act to prevent his people from being destroyed. For we are told that the judgment falling upon the people of Babylon prevent them from carrying out their intentions to destroy the people of God. Those judgments are the drying up of the river Euphrates. Cyrus, who is God's shepherd, and also his anointed, represents Christ, who is the true heavenly shepherd and the anointed one. Let us read it from Isaiah forty four twenty eight and Isaiah forty five fifty one. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Cyrus diverted the waters of the Euphrates so that they no longer flowed through Babylon and served as a defense for Babylon, but instead became a menace to her. The bloodless hand certainly loosed the loins of Belshazzar. The Bible says the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees knocked together. The leaved gates along the river opened up to Cyrus. The Medes and the Persians used the dried-up riverbed as a way of entrance into the very heart of Babylon. 
So in the antitype, the waters of persecution will no longer serve modern spiritual Babylon, but they will become a menace to her. Turn with me to Revelation 18, verses 6 and 7. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, filled her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. The multitudes who have hitherto done the bidding of Babylon will hate her, and turn on her, and burn her with fire, and destroy the whore. Let's read that from Revelation 17, verse 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Notice the ten horns. As you know, these are rulers or leaders of the earth and will use the multitudes of people to do this work. They will be very angry with each other, and will turn on the whore. At the present, God's Spirit keeps in check the unruly passions of unregenerate men. But when the seven plagues are poured out, God's work of mediation will be completed, and there will be no restraint upon the forces of evil. Turn to Zechariah 12, verse 13. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them, and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And in Ezekiel 38, 21, it says that every man's sword shall be against his brother. So the wicked will turn on each other, at the time when they no longer see any advantage to their working together. That's what they do. The old saying, there is no loyalty between thieves, applies here as well. Let's return to ancient Babylon and consider more of its typical experience. There are many more parallels in the type that we see in the antitype. It is interesting to note that the bold defiance of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians defying the God of heaven parallels the bold defiance of the Pope, the papacy, and her daughters at the end times. Belshazzar, who rules over all his lords, represents the Pope, who will rule over the nations and the rulers of the earth. The beautiful women at the feast represent many churches that are ecumenical with Rome. They too commit fornication and adultery with her, for Revelation 17 describes them as harlots. That would be harlotry from Christ, for they were once his churches, married to him, but they have wandered off to commit fornication with Rome. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Rome is already involved in undermining the family. She supports alternative marriages like LGBTQ, as well as 
other crimes against the law of God. Some years ago, Rome, during the Pope Benedict's reign, was exposed for having gay sex or parties among the Curia. No wonder the Bible describes her as being responsible for the abominations of the earth. She leads the way. As Belshazzar's party progressed and the rioting was at a peak, suddenly the party was hushed, and a stunned terror fell upon them all, especially Belshazzar. The unseen watcher, who is in attendance at every gathering, whether for good purposes or for evil, decided to interrupt the party. A bloodless hand began to burn letters on the wall as the astonished and trembling king looked on. His lords suddenly ceased their revelry, and all stared at the hand that was slowly tracing the words. From Prophets and Kings, page 524, we read the following. Little did Belshazzar think that there was a heavenly witness to his idolatrous revelry that a divine watcher, unrecognized, looked upon the scene of profanation and heard the sacrilegious mirth, beheld the idolatry. But soon the uninvited guest made his presence felt. When the revelry was at its height, a bloodless hand came forth and traced upon the walls of the palace characters that gleamed like fire, words which though unknown to the vast throng, were a portent of doom to the now conscience-stricken king and his guests. Hushed was the boisterous mirth, while men and women seized with nameless terror watched the hands slowly tracing the mysterious characters. Before them passed, as a panoramic view, the deeds of their evil lives, they seemed to be arraigned before the judgment bar of the eternal God, whose power they had justified, where but a few moments before had been hilarity and blasphemous witticism, were pallid faces and cries of fear. When God makes men fear, they cannot hide the intensity of their terror. Belshazzar was the most terrified of them all. He it was who, above all others, had been responsible for the rebellion against God, which that night had reached its height in the Babylonian realm. In the presence of the unseen watcher, the representative of him whose power had been challenged and whose name had been blasphemed, the king was paralyzed with fear. Conscience was awakened. The joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote together. Belshazzar had impiously lifted himself up against the God of heaven and had trusted in his own might, not supposing that any would dare say, Why doest thou this? But now he realized that he must render an account of the stewardship entrusted him and that for his wasted opportunities and his defiant attitude, he could offer no excuse. Just imagine the horror of these thousand lords and the others at the party. 
They looked from one to another in questioning astonishment. What does this mean? The Bible gives us an interesting parallel in the antitype. Notice the astonishment of the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth when they realize that Rome and her daughters are finished and her punishment comes on her like a flash. Look what it says in Revelation 18, verses 9 through 11 and 14 to 18. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her, when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the burn smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. Babylon will have a perpetual sleep and never awake from her destruction. Look what it says in Jeremiah fifty-one fifty-seven. And I will make drunk her princes, and her wise men, and her captains, and her rulers, and her mighty men, and they shall sleep a perpetual sleep, and not wake, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Notice also that the captains and the mighty men of war, as well as the princes, were drunk with wine. I can see the police and their SWAT teams, the military and their Delta Force and other special ops teams will come after God's people. Are you ready for that? And in Revelation eighteen twenty one through 23 the Bible tells us that Babylon shall be no more. A mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of the harpers, and musicians, and of pipers, and of trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of the candle shall shine no more in all, at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and the, of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. 
Also notice that in both Babylons, people were deceived through sorcery and enchantments. We just read that one of the reasons for modern spiritual Babylon's fall was deception through sorcery. Isaiah 47, 9 says, But these two things shall come on thee in a moment, in one day. The loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon thee in their perfection of the multitude of thy sorceries, for the great abundance of thine enchantments. You can see that both Babylons deceive people on the basis of sorcery. So let's straighten out some issues. Cyrus did not destroy Babylon. He just overthrew it. When he became the sole ruler of the empire, he moved his government to Shushan, or Susa, in Persia. Meanwhile, Darius the Mede and his son Darius his Taspis ruled in Babylon. Its actual desolation came years later following a rebellion when Xerxes became ruler. He first plundered and then destroyed the Temple of Bel and tore down the walls of the city from 300 feet, or 200 cubits, to 75 feet, or 50 cubits. There were attempts to rebuild the city, but God had declared that it would be desolate. Let's look at it from Jeremiah 50.39 and 51.37. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the islands shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell therein, and it shall be no more inhabited forever, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. And Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for dragons, an astonishment, and an hissing without an inhabitant. The Parthians destroyed the effort to rebuild the city of Babylon, and today there is scarcely enough ruins left to mark the spot of the ancient city of Babylon. So it will be when modern spiritual Babylon is destroyed. Revelation 18.19 tells us that they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour she is made desolate. Jeremiah 50.34 tells us that Babylon is judged by a strong man. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He shall thoroughly plead their cause, that he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. Revelation 18.8 also tells us of a strong man. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. I don't want to be part of Babylon when she is brought to her end, do you? We are to completely come out of Babylon now, so that we can be independent of her and dependent on God alone. That will take time. You cannot do that overnight, and your salvation depends on being separate from Babylon's sins. So this is a very important thing to understand. There are many more parallels and types between the ancient and modern Babylon, which we will 
look at next time. We will examine the fall of Babylon in more depth and see the tremendous connections in Scripture. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are impressed by the Scripture's completeness and the parallels and types that involve Babylon. We don't want to be part of Babylon. We want to be completely separate from her and her enchantments and sorceries. Take away anything in our lives that holds us in Babylon or keeps us attached to her. Thank you for your abundant mercy and grace, and thank you for making our lives complete. Please give us victory over the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen.
We hope that you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you've just heard is called There is a Savior, sung by Jennifer Buttery. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Seekers of Your Heart. If you would like a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 USD. Be sure to mention the Seekers of Your Heart CD. The following is our Prophetic Intelligence Briefing, a feature that brings you current events in the light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month, 1.7 magnitude earthquake jolts residents awake in Roosevelt Island, Queens. Officials say a 1.7 magnitude earthquake is believed to have jolted residents awake in Roosevelt Island and Queens and caused a series of small explosions that knocked out power on Tuesday morning. The United States Geological Survey reported the earthquake near Astoria, Queens. There were no reports of damage or injuries in New York City. The earthquake was reported at 5.45 a.m., the same time as the calls began on Roosevelt Island and the surrounding areas, including Astoria and the Upper East Side. Residents say they were jolted awake by a loud noise and that they felt their building shaking. Quote, It was like an explosion. Sounded like a bomb went off. The building shook. It woke us up. We called downstairs and they said it happened to all four buildings, a resident said. Buildings at 2 and 4 River Road, just south of the Roosevelt Island Bridge and Tram experienced power outages. Quote, there was an awful bang like a vibration and you could tell it was coming from below the building, resident Mary Ellen Faraday said. The elevators were out, so we were up on the 8th floor. So we walked down and there was so much commotion at the time, no one knew what was going on. No injuries have been reported. First responders were checking the structural integrity of buildings on the island, but none seemed to be affected. Con Edison is continuing to investigate the incident. While earthquakes are rare in this region, they do happen. One of the last to be reported was in May of 2023, when a 2.2 magnitude earthquake shook parts of Westchester County and New Jersey. Quote, Small earthquakes are a reminder that larger earthquakes are possible, and eventually NYC will have a larger earthquake, and we should have some preparation for that, said seismologist John Armbruster. According to the USGS, the last seismic event in NYC was in June 2019. And before that, there were no reports of any earthquakes since a series of events in December of 2004. Quote, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 7. Next, 
Japan racing to find survivors after catastrophic earthquake at least 57 dead. Aftershocks rattled Japan on Tuesday after at least 57 people were killed in a powerful earthquake on the western coast that flattened buildings and triggered tsunami warnings. On Monday afternoon, a 7.6 trembler rocked Ishikawa, a prefecture of Japan, about 180 miles west of Tokyo, where all the deaths so far have been reported. The deaths were mostly in the cities of Wajima and Suzu. At least 17 people were severely injured, said Yoshimasa Hayashi, a spokesperson for the Japan government. Officials said there could be more earthquakes in the near future. Five crew members aboard a Japanese Coast Guard aircraft were killed Tuesday in a collision with an airliner at Haneda Airport in Tokyo. Officials said the Coast Guard aircraft was set to deliver aid for the earthquake victims. More than 200 tremors had been recorded since Monday afternoon as rescue crews desperately searched the rubble for survivors. According to the Japan Meteorological Agency, water and cell phone service are down in some areas. City mayor says damage is catastrophic. Tens of thousands of homes were reduced to rubble in the initial quake. In Wajima, many homes were destroyed in fires that broke out overnight. Utility and cell phone services were still down in some areas Tuesday. Dozens of injured people were being treated in area hospitals. Quote, it's not just that it's a mess. The wall has collapsed and you can see through to the next room. I don't think we can live here anymore. Miki Kobayashi, an Ishikawa resident, told the Associated Press. Yoshimasa Hayashi, Japan's foreign minister, said Tuesday in a news conference that 57,360 people were huddled in evacuation centers after fleeing their homes. He added that thousands of households across four prefectures were still without water. Masuhiro Isumiya, the mayor of Suzu, a coastal city of about 13,500 people in Ishikawa, Near the quake's epicenter, said the damage there is catastrophic. About 90% of the area's homes have been completely or almost destroyed, he said at a disaster response meeting Tuesday. On Monday, officials issued a major tsunami warning, the first since a major quake hit the country in March 2011 and killed more than 18,000 people. The warnings were all downgraded hours later. Though authorities cautioned residents that aftershocks could cause more damage, waves reached heights of three feet in some areas along Japan's central west coast. Quote, in accidents and calamities by sea and by land, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes and terrific hailstorms, in tempests, floods, cyclones, tidal waves, and earthquakes. In every place and in a thousand forms, Satan is exercising his power. He sweeps away the ripening harvest, and famine and distress follow. He imparts to the air a deadly taint, and thousands perish by the pestilence. These visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous. Destruction will be upon both man and beast. The earth mourned and fadeth away. The haughty people do languish. 
The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Great Controversy, page 589. Next, Methodist Church brands terms husband and wife offensive. The Methodist Church has claimed that ministers should avoid using the terms husband and wife because it conveys an assumption that is not the reality for many people. The denomination made the statement in its Inclusive Language Guide, which will be updated every six months to advise congregations how to repent of any hurtful language when addressing groups which have been marginalized and or demonized by common culture. The guidance argued that relationships come in many varied expressions and using the terms parent, partner, and child are a good place to start. Signposts to Stonewall In sections addressing gender identity, the guide claimed that using a person's chosen pronouns is helpful as it honors their identity, noting that those of different genders may choose to use a gender-neutral title such as MX. It added, Language such as brothers and sisters, while intended to be inclusive and friendly, doesn't take into account our non-binary friends. The guidance pushed congregations to share your own pronouns in conversation and directed them to controversial LGBT activist groups, Stonewall and GLAD, for further information. Same-Sex Weddings in 2021, the governing body of the Methodist Church in Great Britain voted to redefine marriage, conduct same-sex weddings, and affirm cohabitation. Representatives at the church's annual conference consented in principle to the marriage of same-sex couples by 254 votes to 46. The conference also endorsed informal cohabitation, equating it to marriage. But Sam McBratney, chairman of the pro-LGBT lobby group Dignity and Worth, confirmed that ministers in the denomination would still be able to preach faithfully on biblical sexual ethics. The enemy is trying to destroy everything about the family. Quote, Society is composed of families and is what the heads of families make it. Out of the heart are the issues of life, and the heart of the community, the church, and of the nation is the household, the well-being of society, the success of the church, the prosperity of the nation depend upon home influences. Adventist Home, page 15. Next, Iceland volcano erupts near Grindavik after swarm of intense earthquakes rattle region. A volcano north of Grindavik erupted Monday evening after a swarm of earthquakes rattled the region. The Icelandic Meteorologic Office, IMO, said the eruption could be seen on webcams near Hagafell. Quote, An eruption has begun near the evacuated town of Grindavik. Our priorities remain to protect lives and infrastructure, the president of Iceland, Gudni Johannesson, said. Civil defense has closed off the affected area. We now wait to see what the forces of nature have in store. We are prepared and remain vigilant. While the level of seismicity at the eruption site has decreased, the IMO says that the eruption fissure is expanding. Quote, the eruption is located on the dike intrusion that formed in November. 
The rate of lava discharge during the first two hours of the eruption was thought to be on a scale of hundreds of cubic meters per second, with the largest lava fountains on the northern end of the fissures. The IMO warned, lava is spreading laterally from either side of the newly opened fissures. From real-time GPS measurements, significant ground deformation has accompanied the opening of the eruption fissures. The IMO warned of the possible eruption ever since a swarm of intense earthquakes was detected north of Grindavik at the end of October. In the weeks that followed, tens of thousands of earthquakes rumbled throughout the region. That then led to the declaration of a state of emergency and the evacuation of Grindavik and its nearly 3,700 residents. The popular tourist destination Blue Lagoon also shut down amid fears that the volcano would erupt. Signs of an impending volcanic eruption. In addition to the earthquakes that were detected across the region, the IMO said a gravin-like formation of about three feet sliced through parts of Grindavik due to magma intrusion. The USGS defines a gravin as a piece of the Earth's crust that has shifted downward in comparison to adjacent crust known as horst, which are shifted upward. Large cracks then formed across the region that destroyed roads in and around Grindavik, which continued to widen as the hours and days passed. Photos and videos showed the extent of the damage to the roads and even showed steam that was beginning to rise from beneath the surface. Quote, You will see the accidents that are befalling us in our world, those that are on the cars and the games and that are on the water and the flame, and the fire, and the blood, and the volcanoes, and all these things. They are perishing. Why? The Spirit of God is being withdrawn from the earth. Letters and Manuscripts, Volume 17, MS 229-1902 Next, Church of England votes to formally commend prayers of blessing for same-sex couples. The Church of England's House of Bishops voted Tuesday to formally commend prayers of blessings for same-sex couples to be used in services beginning next Sunday. By a vote of 24 to 11, the bishops affirmed their previous decision to approve the final text of prayers of love and faith for use in regular public worship or private prayer, according to a press release. The texts were also published with pastoral guidance explaining how they can be used, and the House of Bishops also claimed that it would consider a pastoral provision to protect the consciences of those who wish to use the prayers and those who do not. The move from the House of Bishops follows two General Synod debates on the topic in February and November. The General Synod voted last month to proceed with trial blessing services for same-sex couples. Quote, we know not everyone in the Church of England agrees on these important questions which go to the heart of who we are, about people's lives, their love, and our shared faith, said Bishop of Leicester Martin Snow, who chairs the group overseeing the prayer's implementation. Quote, This is reflected in the House of Bishops, where there remain different views on the best ways to proceed, he continued. These prayers are offered as pastoral provision. It is our prayer that they can be used with grace and understanding. Sharing them will be a blessing to the whole church. The House of Bishops' willingness to open the door to blessings for same-sex couples has drawn condemnation from Orthodox Anglicans worldwide, 
with some warning it could fracture the global Anglican communion. In a statement known as the Kigali Commitment released in April, delegates with the Conservative Global Anglican Future Conference, GAFCON, rejected the Church of England's decision to allow clergy to bless same-sex couples and also repudiated the spiritual authority of any Anglican denomination that embraces homosexuality. The commitment accused Church of England authorities of repeated departures from the authority of God's word. Quote, it grieves the Holy Spirit and us that the leadership of the Church of England is determined to bless sin, the statement said. Since the Lord does not bless same-sex unions, it is pastorally deceptive and blasphemous to craft prayers that invoke blessing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Andrea Williams of the London-based nonprofit Christian Concern urged the House of Bishops on Thursday to repent, accusing them of promoting material that leads to biblical illiteracy and blurs the distinction between authentic godly love and destructive lust. Inch by inch, they are working towards introducing special services that counterfeit genuine marriage and to officially approve of what God calls sin, she said. They are not promoting love and faith, but approving of lust and unfaithfulness to Jesus Christ. Quote, In the religious world today, God's mercy has been trifled with. Multitudes make void the law, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Infidelity prevails in many churches, not infidelity in its broadest sense, in open denial of the Bible, but an infidelity undermining faith in the Bible as a revelation from God. Vital piety has given place to hollow formalism. As the result, apostasy and sensualism prevail. Christ declared, As it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The world is fast becoming ripe for destruction. From Eternity Past, page 104. Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.